This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play Doctor Online, and this show is my 377th that I've done of Dimland Radio, uh, and it will post on, you know, for the chat room purposes and the date of the show, even though I record this the day before it goes into the chat room, uh, the date of the show will be September 1st, uh, 2018. That's just a mere 10 days away from, you know, from that big event that we look forward to each year. We skeptics look forward to each year. It's almost like you know, when people look forward to the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade, and then when it comes around, eh, we're not quite as impressed <laughs> as our anticipation had it. But uh, we are sure to be having, uh, well, of course, 10 days from uh, September 1st would be, you know, 9/11, and uh, whatever number anniversary it is, the 17th anniversary. Wow, 17 years. That's 17 years. My son wasn't even born yet. Wow. Amy and I weren't even married yet. We were close. We got married the next month. Uh, but uh, wow, 17 years. But we're sure to see the social media platforms filled to the brim with. With uh, jet fuel doesn't burn hot enough to melt steel. Uh, it looks like it's a controlled demolition. The Bin Ladens were whisked away out of the country. Uh, there were no Jews in the towers. They all called in sick that day. Uh, cruise missiles hit the Pentagon. Building 7, pull it. Thermite, thermite, thermite. Oh, it's going to be fun. And it, it's, it's sad to say that it continues... To this day, 17 years later, people still will put up stuff about how they don't believe what is the standard model explanation of what happened on 9-11. 19 hijackers uh, working with Al-Qaeda hijacked four uh, uh, commercial jetliners, airliners. And two of them were crashed, one each into the towers, one was crashed in the Pentagon, and the other one was crashed in a field in Pennsylvania because the passengers uh, learned about what was going on because that flight was taking the, the longest of the four, and people got to figure out what was going on, so the passengers fought back and the plane was crashed. So you know, not getting to its destination, it was thought that it might have been the White House or the Capitol that it might have been heading for, uh, it's, but we don't know. Uh, Osama bin Laden, you know, and Al Qaeda took credit for it happening. 
uh, I mean, it's just all the lines of evidence point right to it. But the conspiracy theorists will still pick apart and find any little anomalies that they can find. They'll ignore the fact that there was plane debris around the Pentagon. You know, they'll they'll ignore the fact that the thermite stuff is just that's just silly, and it just wasn't nearly enough to be any kind of anything. And you know, they'll they'll ignore the fact that that the jet fuel doesn't have to melt the steel in order to cause it to become uh, uh, weak and unable to it's, to hold the weight above it. It doesn't have to do. You know, it doesn't have to melt it. It just it just softens it. Of course, you know, Building Seven was, I think, it was the North Tower that crashed into the side of the, uh, the, the of the Building Seven that uh, the side that the conspiracy theorist websites don't show you. The side that shows all the 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 the, the wall torn out, the fires taking place. They don't, they don't show you that part. They show you the other part of the building when it started to come down, and that was the facade of the building coming down after the interior was already crumbling for a few seconds. It's all, but they'll point to this guy, what's his name, Silverstein or something like that, who owned Building 7, or saying, pull it, which, you know, really, these things were set for being demolished. It just, it's just, uh, it boggles the mind on how people just can't accept the standard model explanation of what happened that day. They just can't. Of course, they'll think that I'm just a sheep, or maybe I'm a disinformation agent. Maybe I'm on the inside. I'm a member of the Illuminati or the Bilderbergs or the Rothschilds or the you know, the Zionist conspiracy or the international banking trilateral whatever. They'll think I'm all part of that. Maybe. Uh, but, but I can assure you I'm not. And I'm not on Monsanto's payroll. And uh, I'm not on Big Pharma's payroll. And <laughs> that kind of stuff. I... Uh, I'd like to be on their payrolls. I'm willing to be, but uh, you know, it's just that's what's going to happen. So just an early warning, just to remind you, and you'll see you'll, you'll come 9/11, whichever day of the week that's going to be, you'll open up your Facebook or Twitter or whatever the other social ma uh, MySpace, whatever's out there, and you'll and you'll see it. Oh, yeah, there they are. There's the memes and the people that seem to believe that. It was an inside job that holograms did it. I I, I don't know. I, I I don't I don't think that way. So it's it's hard to understand that sort of thinking. But um, I know I've heard it explained that there's a certain feeling of privilege uh, that you're inside on some knowledge that makes you that will make some conspiracy theorists feel a little better about themselves. Uh, if they tend to feel that they have no control in their life or little control in their life, they, they, will, they will pick up on conspiracy theories to sort of gain some control because they know something. I, you know, I'm not a psychologist. What do I know? Um, and I'm also not a historian. <laughs> I'm going to talk some history on this show, too. So what do I know? If I'm wrong about something, you can surely let me know. You just email me at drdim at dimland.com, D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. Let me know. Uh, if you haven't liked my Dimland Radio Facebook page, uh, it's it's still at 192 likes. I, I wish I would get that many downloads of each show. That'd be cool. But, hey, you know, from great Acorn's little 
oaks or something like that. Anyway, and uh, so you can subscribe on iTunes, follow on Podbean. Uh, you can go to my show notes, which are on dimland.com. I should do this more often. I'm trying to do this more often. This I hear other podcasts do this. They give all this information out so that you can know where to find stuff and get a hold of the people that do the show and, and you know suggest it to a friend. Maybe they'd be interested in listening to me talk, ramble on for an hour each week about not much. Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, we get some people in the chat room once in a while. They'll come in as anonymous and they'll say, you know, something like, get on with it. <laughs> well, okay, I'll try. Uh, anyway. Uh, but holy smokes! Have we had a rough week or so for uh, celebrities? Oh, man, they're dropping like flies. They're just boom, 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 left, right, dropping like flies. And you know the old thing about celebrities die in threes? No, they don't. We just happen to notice in threes. We don't pay attention to the times when only two celebrities died or just one celebrity died. We don't know how much time has to go by before you stop counting or adding to the group of three. You know, how, how you know, where, you know... Where do we? How much time is it? In one day? Is it within a week? Is it within two weeks? Within in a year? What is it? I don't know. Uh, what constitutes a celebrity? I've got a list here of the ones that just died recently. Yeah. So I. So here we go. Uh, we got Robin Leach, the lifestyles of the rich and famous guy. He just died. Uh, Aretha Franklin, the uh, queen of soul. Isn't that what she is? <laughs> She's she just died. Uh, there's uh, Norman Lear, the great playwright and TV guy, whatever producer that uh, gave us All in the Family and other stuff. He did do All in the Family, didn't he? Uh, and the Odd Couple. Oh, by the way, I made this joke about the Odd Couple. You know that show, the Odd Couple that uh, uh, what well, started out as a movie, uh, and then they, be, they made it into a TV program, and the, it starred uh, Jack Klugman as Oscar Madison and um, Tony Randall as Felix Unger and 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 so um, there was somebody shared uh, well no uh, I was watching I just caught a little bit of the show a little bit of the odd couple it was on me TV or something like that and uh, I remember it being an, an okay show uh, somewhat funny and, and and characters were likable and all that uh, maybe not the most sophisticated comedy but better than Three's Company. <laughs> a lot better than that. But uh, I, it, there was a show, in, and uh, if, you, if you know about it, um, Oscar Madison played a sports writer working for some newspaper in New York, which is a pretty big deal. But he gets offered a job to work at a Playboy-type magazine. Uh, and the publisher of that magazine was played by John Astin. John Astin is great. He's a great comedic actor. He's great. There was this terrible sexploitation film that came out in the 70s, I think, or late 60s, called Candy, uh, who has a pretty hot you know, lead actor in there. She plays a high school kid that, uh, that, that goes from sexual escapade to sexual escapade, or at least men trying to get her into these escapades. And it has all kinds of stars in this movie. It's got uh, Ringo Starr is in there, J uh, James Coburn, uh, 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 what's his name, Marlon Brando's in it, and John Astin's in the movie, and he plays a dual role. He plays brothers, and he's the most interesting thing in that movie because he's just great. This just you know he played Gomez and the Adams Family, and just you know he's just great. 
Anyway, he plays the publisher, and he gives Oscar Madison a job, and and they start getting kind of hip. You know, he's in the hip magazine, this Playboy type thing, and uh, Felix Unger, who plays a photographer who would work for that magazine, would do freelance photography for them, uh, shows up to see how Oscar likes the job, which apparently Oscar doesn't really like it. He'd rather be a sports writer. Um, and Felix walks in and calls Oscar by his initials. You know, it's Oscar Madison. Calls him O.M. But for some reason, Oscar doesn't reciprocate and call Felix Unger by his initials. Hmm. Well, anyway. So Neil Simon died. Uh, but then there are other people that died that you might not know. They may not be household names for, for, for you, the listener, unless you're a comic book collector who's knows a bit about comic books and has done collect comic book collecting for a while. Because uh, we also uh, lost this past week uh, a fellow named Gary Friedrich. I'm not sure if that's exactly how you spell it, pronounce his name. It might be Frederick, but it's spelled Friedrich or Friedrich. Whatever. I don't know for sure. And I'm sorry if I get it wrong, but I think it's Gary Friedrich. He was a writer of comic books, and he co-created the character uh, Ghost Rider. Uh, let's see. Then there was uh, Russ Heath. He died, and uh, he was a giant in the field of comic books as an artist. He did a lot of war comic books. He did uh, Sergeant Rock titles and you know, like Our Army at War. You know, him and Joe Kubert uh, did that. Uh, worked on the DC Comics war story stuff, and he's uh, he was a really fantastic artist. Um, there's a story about him. You know the uh, the pop artist uh, of the fine art world, modern art world, named Roy Lichtenstein. He would do he would take comic book panels and he'd blow them up and he'd do his versions of the comic book panels, which weren't exact copies of the panels, but they were pretty damn close. And there was a panel that he did uh, of uh, of Russ Heath war comic of a jet fighter uh, firing off missiles or something and an explosion. Happening in whatever it was hitting, exploding in front of him, in front of the jet, and that was a couple of frames or one frame in a comic book that uh, Russ Heath had drawn, and Roy Lichtenstein spotted that and blew it up and did his Roy Lichtensteining version of it, and it sold for something like four million dollars. Lichtenstein became fabulously wealthy. Russ Heath didn't. He didn't see shit for it. He didn't see a penny. He did a little comic strip about it, about how you know, he was invited to the museum to see the piece, and all that, but he just he never saw a penny out of it. And he had some rough times financially, but uh, there's an organization that helped uh, uh, raise money for um, uh, comic book artists that are in retirement because they can't, you know, they can't produce art anymore because you know, you, there's, there's a window of time where you can do the stuff and help them out if they need financial help. Uh, and so um, he got that help. But, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, so that's, that's, that's Russ Heath. That wasn't, and then another giant in the art of, of comic books, another artist. Uh, this one is a pioneer. Russ Heath was, I guess, could be considered a pioneer in comic books, especially in, in war comics. But, um, and he also worked for EC Comics, which was the really sophisticated comic book company uh, back in the 1950s that disbanded when the Congress went after him or the Senate went after him because they were delinquentizing the children with their terrible comic books. 
but they were actually pretty sophisticated, and the art for some of these books were just fabulous, fantastic. So a fellow artist that worked for EC Comics back in the 1950s was a woman, and that makes her a pioneer in the world of comic books because there weren't many women artists working in comic books, and her name was Marie Severin. She just died. And uh, you know, and she was uh, she had a brother named John, and the two of them were comic book artists, and uh, they had similar styles. They were both very good. They did some really good stuff, and she um, she would do color. She would color comic books. She would ink, and she would do straight up drawings. And uh, so she was really important to the comic book industry. But you know, so the idea is, well, okay. I suppose, since I just listed for you six people, there's six that would be considered in the entertainment industry via, you know, like music and television and, 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 and movies, uh, you know, Robin Leach, Aretha Franklin, and, and, and Neil Simon. And then you've got, uh, you know, three deaths in the world of literature, <laughs> well, comic books. Okay, all right, fine. I suppose you could break it down into those three, but really... Come on, it's it's again. If they don't die in threes, we just happen to notice it in threes. So don't get yourself hung up on the three thing. Okay, uh, they just people just die. It just happens. Uh, before I go any further, I'm gonna head to my first break. Maybe a tad bit early, but what the heck? I can do that. It's my call. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I shall return after this heated moment. I never meant to be so bad to you. One thing I said that I would never do. Listen to Z Talk Radio on ZTalkRadio.com. I'm a paramedic, and it may sound silly, but a lot of people are afraid to call 911 when they're experiencing uncomfortable pressure, fullness, squeezing, or pain in the center of the chest. Instead, people risk permanent damage or death because they're afraid they might get a lecture. To learn more about heart attack warning signs, call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit us on the web at AmericanHeart.org. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Carbon monoxide is a colorless, odorless gas that can be fatal. Don't use anything indoors that burns fuel, such as gasoline-powered generators, camp stoves and lanterns, or charcoal grills. Opening doors and windows or using fans isn't enough. Have your vents and chimneys checked to make sure water heater and gas furnace exhausts aren't blocked. If you feel sick, dizzy, or weak while using a generator, get to fresh air right away. From the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. Mm. 
Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. No, I did not forget there was another death that happened this past week. And this was kind of a big one, uh, at least here in the United States. And, and for the world, I suppose. Uh, it might have been a bigger death for the world had, uh, uh, had he been successful and won the office of the presidency. But still, uh, Senator John McCain died of, uh, from his, the brain cancer that he had, and he knew it was coming. Uh, we were seeing stuff about uh, um, he was actually preparing for what was to happen after his death. You know, the funeral services, the memorial services, what song should be played. I guess, you know, there's been a couple of things that have happened where um, people got together, uh, um, I think it was in his state, uh, in Arizona, uh, Joe Biden talked. Uh, the the what's his name, Larry Fitzgerald Jr. I think it's Jr. Who's uh, the great uh, receiver in football who plays for the Arizona Cardinals? He spoke, uh, and and others. And I guess the song that played out as they left was the Frank Sinatra's "My Way." Yeah, it, it, even. Even when he, he knew he was he was going to be done and gone, and he even had the you know I'm a maverick, you know because that's that was his reputation. Um, um, he was a maverick because uh, maybe I'm simplifying it a little bit, but because um, he would he would go against his own party. He would disagree with his own party and sometimes side with the Democrats. Which, when I saw the. Uh, the meme that went, there were several things people put together with a picture of uh, a younger uh, John McCain, sometimes of the old, you know, older John McCain with the, his name and the, you know, the date, he, the year he was born, and this year that he died, and you know, putting that up as tributes. And I put up a couple things um, ab about him, and um, I think I put up something that uh, it was uh, a statement that was put out by um, President Obama. Uh, you know, who was his rival in the 2008 election? Uh, and I will I will tell you, I voted for McCain in 2008. I didn't not because I didn't like Obama. Uh, I liked McCain, and you know he's a he was he was a Republican. He, this is what I liked him. He was a Republican that wasn't that as far as I know uh, wasn't completely kowtowed by the religious right. Uh, that was part of what made him a maverick. Uh, he accepted the fact that the the Earth is not six thousand years old. He accepted the fact of evolution. He 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 was not anti-science. The way the Republican Party has had has drifted over the last thirty years, and how I I just I can't I, I just I have a hard time even thinking of voting for a Republican because they're too, they're too tied into this idea that. Uh, you know that uh, God did it, and not that the Democrats have a a great record when it comes to to science, but they have a better one. And uh, but so at that point, I voted for I voted for McCain. I was a little like everybody else was a little nervous about Sarah Palin, but you know I I, I remember saying at the time you know people were worried that she was so inexperienced. And she was just a heartbeat away from the presidency. And I said, well, you know, if you're talking about experience, and this was a problem that I had with Obama, that he wasn't all that experienced politically. Um, and I said, you know, okay, 
Sarah Palin's a heartbeat away from the presidency, but Obama's an election away from the presidency. Uh, you know, I just you know. But then I liked how he conducted himself once in office. I think he handled the 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 recession crisis uh, pr pretty well. I mean, from what I could tell. And then by the time he was running for re-election, uh, I I you know, not that Mitt Romney was terrible. Uh, I just thought, well, I'm going to vote for Obama, and that's what I did. And and you know, I feel no, you know, nothing. Uh, I think I made the right choice at that point, and I, I could not vote for the fifth grader in chief that we have now. But uh, anyway, um, you know, so McCain, I can remember back in my more conservative days. Back in the late '90s into the early 2000s, when I was much more conservative, I can remember being. Just, I think I, I think I rolled into the more conservative line because you know, 1992, I voted for Bill Clinton, but by the time 1996 rolled around, I was much more conservative, and because I was very disappointed in Clinton, and I couldn't really tell you why, <laughs> but I just was. There was just something, uh, and um, you know. But, well, I don't want, he really is a good speaker, Bill Clinton, as is Barack Obama. And from today's perspective, so is George W. Bush. <laughs> because, like I said, when you compare with what we've got now, a guy that sounds like he's giving a book report on a book he hasn't read... Uh, which is, you know, he is giving reports on things he hasn't read. Just give me the bullet points. <laughs> just, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, at least that's, I don't know, maybe he's just that smart. Maybe he's just that devious. Maybe he's just that Machiavellian, that he's really working this stuff out, and he's got us all, you know, those of us who aren't very happy with him being president, got us all thinking he's a big dummy. Maybe he's just, but I don't know. And I want to, if he does something good, something good for the country, I want to, credit him but man i don't know man <laughs> it's it's not easy trying to you know and 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 anyway so but when i was much more conservative which i'm not sure how i would have gone if if uh if if our current president was if my strongly conservative days were now and in the last few years i'm boy i don't know i don't know uh, but anyway i can remember needling, teasing uh, a friend of my wife's, uh, a fellow that she worked with for a while, and they, they were pals before uh, she, I met her, and then the three of us would hang out, and he's a really good guy, and very left, very liberal. And I can remember him talking about, at the time, uh, that John McCain was, you know, he's a Republican I can respect, and, and all that, because, well, because sometimes he would, uh, he would say, no, yeah? <laughs> To the Republican Party and say I'm not exactly agreeing with that, or he would uh, uh, he'd make he'd criticize George W. Bush and uh, he he you know things that uh, he didn't agree with with W. doing and and so well you know, that's what I said well yeah it's because sometimes he agrees with the Democrats uh, that's why you like him uh, that's why you have respect for him um, yeah I mean if and I I guess that makes sense if you're from that side of the aisle. Uh, but I would say that in my more conservative days, uh, I was—I uh, had a lot of respect for Paul Wellstone, Senator Paul Wellstone, and um, he was very liberal. 
uh, and uh, when I was very conservative, I would be very much in disagreement with a lot of his stuff. Uh, today, I would probably be in agreement with a lot of his stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't disagree with practically anything that he stood for. But what I what I would say at the time was, I really do believe that the man is honest and and is. Uh, uh, um, has the integrity that uh, that he that he shows, you know, that the persona that he puts out is the, the guy that he really is, and that he believes he has he has his convictions and he believes in his stuff. I felt he got a little dinged when he went along with the rest of the Democrats in the Senate after the impeachment of uh, Bill Clinton to vote to acquit or to not convict uh, President Bill Clinton. Um, I at the time I thought, well, you know, he, he, I think it's been established that he did lie under oath, and that's a pretty big deal. And this is our president, and we don't want him lying under oath, right? Right? Who cares what he was lying about? If he was lying about a speeding ticket, I don't care. But yeah, it's you know, let's not run through all that again. So he, Wellstone was a little bit dinged on, on that, but for the most part, I always thought he was a you know, and not because he would disagree with the Democrats and agree with the Republicans once in a while. No, I just thought that the guy really was honest and believed in his 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 convictions and stood by them. That's why I liked him. That's why I had some respect for him. Um, and I like, I like right now, I like uh, Amy Klobuchar. She's our uh, senior senator here in Minnesota, and she's great. <laughs> you know, I like her a lot. I think she, she reminds me a lot of Wellstone. And uh, she and she was a quite the fan of John McCain, and that tells you something. Now, the more cynical among us would say that uh, that tells you that it's all an inside club, that they're all in each other's pockets, that they're all you know pals, and the two parties are virtually the same. And you know, mm, there might be some arguments that uh, would be good arguments to make in in support of that, but I don't know. I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm naive and maybe I want to see the good in people, uh, and it's nice to know that you know pe that Democrats from the you know the people from the other side of the aisle, from McCain, speaking highly about him. Uh, one of the things uh, Senator Klobuchar would say about McCain was that uh, when she was she might have been uh, uh, chairing a uh, committee or something like that, and McCain was on it, and she but she was the head person on there and the other senators would not give her the due deference of the person that was in charge and she said it was McC it was John McCain who would say fellas uh, and if there were gals uh, on there as well says so uh, you know Senator Klobuchar is running this and he'd remind them and so she always uh, respected him for that and, and was grateful to him for that so it's it's you know, I wish we had a lot more Republicans like them. <laughs> I do. There, I, there's got to be some Republicans out there that are like McCain. There's got to be some that that aren't. Maybe they're all libertarians now. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it's. It, I'm just not politically savvy enough to understand that. But, but it was fun to needle my friend at the time. Uh, but then I do remind people that for a lot of people. McCain was the favorite Democrat, uh, or favorite Republican of Democrats, you know, until he ran for president, and then 
the then the gloves came off, and then he was a terrible, terrible man, and or he was too old, or that kind of stuff. Now, I don't know if the, there's some saying that you know, well, in 2020 is Bernie Sanders too old to run for president again? Uh, you know, there's there's some hint of that, but I wonder. I don't think that'll be that much of a problem for the people who were saying it was a problem with McCain. You know, it's just like it's just it just happens. We're just people are just so both sides of the fence. We just are. When it's our guy, and eh, we're willing to let it slide. When it's not our guy, we're very harsh. Oh no. But oh well, you know, boys will be. Well, I don't think I want to say the boys will be boys. Thing. You know what I mean? It's like we're just willing to kind of say, give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit more when it's our guy. So and and of course I I mention this frequently uh, whenever election seasons come around you always get these calls for vote the bums out and that kind of thing where it's just to get these guys that these incumbents these men and women that have been in office for decades or well years and let's get them out we need new people in there let's that's you know clear the swamp or drain the swamp right right we we need to we need to vote the bums out but the thing is uh, the people will say that and then they'll say but I like my bum uh, you know, and I don't mean their butts. <laughs> I'm not British. No, they'll they'll like their guy or gal. They'll like them, but they. So that's the way the system works. You know, if you like the incumbent that you have, well, how are you going to vote the bum out? It's it's like that's and if so and that's what happens. Most people when the incumbents keep getting in, sure they have some advantages in in fundraising and being able to. Uh, get, have name recognition and people who may not pay as close attention, uh, you know, just recognize the name and vote for that. And, well, those things seem to be okay, and that person's been in office, and I'm doing all right. Well, I'll keep, I'll vote for that person. You know, they'll go with the status quo. But you, that's that's how you don't vote the, vote the bums out. Uh, if you if you're calling for that, you have to be willing to vote your bum out. So just reminding you of that. I think that's fairly basic, right? It's fairly basic. But speaking of needling, remember last week when I talked about uh, the gals, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the young women uh, at the ball game between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the uh, St. Louis Cardinals and how they were all taking, not all of them were taking selfies, but there was a group of about 12 or 15 of these young women. And uh, they looked to be in a sorority, which turns out they were. Uh, the sorority was Alpha Chi Omega, and they were taking selfies. Not all of them, but a few of them, and they seemed more into that than into what was going on in the game. And even the ones that were watching the game just seemed to have no reaction to anything. <laughs> that was that was weird because there was a hit. Somebody got a hit, and it's like no reaction to the hit, nothing. Well, what was happening? that I found amusing was that the announcers of the game were were giving the needle to these young women you know, about how they're so into their devices and all this kind of stuff. And I brought up the juvenile thing where the older generation is afraid of the younger generation or, or so disappointed with the younger generation because in my day, you know, that kind of thing, right? But the thing is, there's more to the story. And if you just... If I if I'd just paid a little closer attention to what was shown in that video, right when it starts, 
right when it comes up, there's a there's a graphic that you see, and it's it's saying essentially saying, take a selfie, text it to this whatever the the at thing to text to, text it to that, and we might post it on our Facebook page or I'll put it on the air or whatever they were gonna do, and even the announcers, even the announcers, said send us your selfie. Texas, your selfie. So they were asking these young women and everybody else at the game. The PA announcement was saying to do it, and the guys in the booth were saying to do it. If you, you know, they, that's what the gals were doing. These young women. Is it okay to say gals? <laughs> I wonder. Is it okay? Let me know if it's okay. As I mean it as just you know, a way of not calling them guys. Even though in some parts of the country saying guys covers both men and women. You know, when you walk into an office and there's men and women there. Say, hey guys, how's everybody going? How's everybody doing? You're not just talking to the men. You're talking to the women too, and and everybody else in between. You know what I mean? But is it okay to say gals? I hope it's okay to say gals. So um, anyway, so these young women were being requested to do this. And sure, they may have gotten more interested in their phone devices than what was going on in the game. Uh, but I thought the needle was, was... I didn't think it went over the line. I think that maybe it got its toe on the line. Maybe the tip of the toe went over just slightly, maybe. Well, what ended up happening was the Arizona Diamondbacks, that's the, that's the ballpark at which... The, this this took place and the spot Fox Sports that's who the announcers worked for apologized to these women that they were singled out and they were teased for a couple few minutes but three four minutes or at least that's what the video is and I don't know if it was necessary to apologize to them. Like, come on, it's just needling. That's what the older generation is supposed to do to the younger generation. We're supposed to needle them. And you know what else? The younger generation is supposed to look at the older generation and say, parents just don't understand. They're supposed to needle back. Yeah, right, sure, old man. Yeah, okay, you're real hip. You know, there's, that's that's the give and take. That's the natural order of things, I think. As long as maybe you don't, as long as you don't push it too far, as long as you're not being vicious about it, if you're being a little teasing where it's, you're trying to be, uh, you're not be trying to be hurtful about it, but it's just like, ah, music, there you kids, and then the kids can just say, yeah, right, whatever, old man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll get off your lawn. Okay, fine. You know, it's, it's, it's that. So was an apology necessary? I don't know. Well, the, the Arizona Diamondbacks offered the sorority tickets to come to a game. And the sorority said, well, thanks, but no. Um, they suggested that they give those tickets to an organization, a nonprofit organization called A New Leaf, which is a, um, uh, an organization that helps victims of uh, domestic uh, abuse and, and, and to try to you know, get in their lives back in order and move on from those situations. So I don't know if that's what the Diamondbacks did or not. I don't know. Uh, they also the uh, the the women of that sorority decided to you know take the event the the their moment of fame from or infamy from this event in order to raise some money for this organization. So uh, they raised thirteen grand, <laughs> ten of which was from Ellen DeGeneres. She must have found the story. And the other thing about this thing is the story is three years old. <laughs> this happened in 2015. Why I'm nothing if not topical. And I'm in time for my next break. 
Uh, let's see. Yeah, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. When I play this next bumper, see if you can avoid thinking of Rush Limbaugh. Oh, jeez, you probably can't now because I just put him in your head. I'll be back. Right here are my formerly nicotine stained fingers. Tuddle up, tuddle up, tuddle up, tuddle up. Yeah, I, I did listen to him. Station that beats all the competition, and we'll prove it as soon as we hear any competition. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune into Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Oh, Lord, honey, can somebody tell me what my future holds? Hey, man, you think I can get a reading? Uh, Wrong answer. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Dr. Dim, Jim Fitzsimmons, only on Z Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Amanda Pete. Like all new parents, my husband and I want what's best for our baby. When it was time for our daughter's immunizations, we wanted the facts. So we carefully researched vaccines. We spoke with doctors and other experts and asked some tough questions. We decided the vaccines were the best thing for our child. I urge you to get the facts. Learn the facts about vaccines so you can make the best healthcare decisions for your family. Thank you. A message from the American Academy of Pediatrics and vaccinateyourbaby.org. This station is not your cup of tea. Then drink coffee! 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 Oh, hello. You're back already. That break was way too short. I think I should take another break. No, I, I, I'm kidding. I'll, I'll, I'll continue. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network, and I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Now, I do say at the top of every show that I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and now I'm going to play historian online because I'm not really a, a historian. So I'll probably get some stuff maybe wrong or misinterpreted. If I do, you can let me know. And I'll make corrections, but this is just, I'm going to throw some opinions on here, and from what I understand about this situation, and just kind of give you some stuff. And I, and I did do a little bit of research, and there's a, there's, I'll refer to some YouTuber out there that I think, um, that I, I think does a pretty good job about examining uh, misconceptions and uh, improperly contexted history and things of that nature. But 
let's get into it. <clears throat> because, as I say, I'm topical. Let's talk about World War II. <laughs> uh, well, we did just pass a particular anniversary uh, of, of World War II. Um, and um, this was prompted by, well, you know, the fifth grader in chief had a meeting with the Prime Minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe. Uh, I think that's his name. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying exactly right, but uh, I think that's his name. And I and please, people of Japan, if you listen to this show, know that I am a, a, I like Japan. I think the people of Japan are terrific. I think it's a good it's a it's a very good friend to the America to America. They're terrific. They're they're great. <laughs> I like Japan. Any country that that could be said likes baseball more than America can't be all bad. I mean, it, it could be said about Cuba, maybe. <laughs> and so they're, they're not all bad. Uh, they're not all great, but they're not all bad. Uh, it, I mean, and, and Japan, though, I mean, they, they like baseball. I mean, come on. Who, how can you not like a country that likes baseball? Even if it is Cuba or Venezuela. Because right? a lot of those countries like baseball, and we get a lot of players from those countries. Uh, that what's his, uh, the fellow for the Angels, uh, Shohei Otani, uh, pitching and hitting. You know, playing both sides of the ball. Well, right now he's just doing the DH uh, because he's uh, got some elbow thing, elbow issue or something like that, so he can't pitch. But they, you know, they, the well, I guess the last player to do it successfully was Babe Ruth. Well, anyway, don't get me getting into baseball. Um, anyway, uh, it is, it's been reported that uh, our president said to during this meeting uh, with uh, the Prime Minister of Japan that he said, uh, uh, I remember Pearl Harbor. Um, now, I said it was reported to have been said. There's no direct... You know, there's no video or audio tape, as far as I know, and the the prime minister's uh, spokesperson has said that that didn't happen. Um, but that's not, you know, it's not to say that uh, that 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 the two men got on famously. Uh, from what I understand, they started off nice and friendly, but got a little not not quite as friendly and a little awkward with this weird handshake. But anyway. But um, our president having said that prompted uh, some reaction on social media, on Facebook. That's, that's the social media I look at it. And so I want to specifically talk about, uh, about this segment of people, mostly from America, who just will never ever find it in their hearts to forgive America for starting World War II. Of course, America didn't start World War II, especially in the Pacific. You could make an argument that America had a hand in starting World War II in Europe because uh, if you take the long view of history, uh, and I've and I've heard historians say this that World War II was just a continuation of World War One. 
that the way World War I ended really helped set up the Second World War happening. That that time in between, you know, where the, the, the Depression came in, which hit, uh, you know, went, it was worldwide, it hit Germany really hard, making it fertile ground for someone like Hitler to come up and blame the Jews and say, and then look at the Treaty of Versailles and say this was this uh, this was uh, uh, I can't think of a better word, but you know, emasculated Germany. And he said, you know, to hell with this. We're gonna build up our our armed forces, and we're just we're gonna do it. And if the world doesn't want us to do it, they can they can stop us. Well, there they can try, and that's what he did. And the world didn't want to get another world war, so the you know, okay, Hitler, we'll let you do this. Okay, we'll let you do that. Okay, we'll let you annex uh, the Sudetenland, and we'll let you. Take Australia, or Austria, not Australia, Austria, because, well, you know, that was part of Germany anyway. Um, yeah, okay, well, Czechoslovakia, all right, but you know, you're going to stop, right? You're going to stop, aren't you? And then he invaded Poland, and that's when war started. But the way the Allies came down on Germany, because they pretty much, because the Allies won World War One, and Germany got the lion's share of the blame for starting the war and being the bad guys and all that they they got they got you know they came down the, the rest of the world came down on them very hard and that could be argued just kind of set the table and it festered for 15 years or whatever it was and started this this the rise of the Nazis and led us into World War II. So maybe, but in the Pacific, I mean, that was an aggression by the Japanese, and it wasn't just Pearl Harbor. Uh, you know, on December seventh, they, they, the Japanese. Now, this is not the Japanese of today. This is the Japanese of seventy, almost eighty years ago. It was a different country, different kind of mindset about about war and, and aggression and military tactics and such different country different mindset at that time so I'm not holding it against the people of today because you can't I mean you know there are some that have said that you know, there wasn't much apologies or uh, satisfactory um, atonement by the Japanese, especially when it came to how they treated the Chinese. There was the rap, Rape of Nanking. I read that book, The Rape of Nanking, by Iris Chang. It's, oh, and there's a video series by a fellow that just goes by knowing better. He's a young guy. Uh, well, he's in his 30s, I'd imagine. And uh, he's, uh, he's a teacher. He's got a couple of degrees, one in social studies or something, and, and, and teaching that in psychology. And you know, he's and and he's very he's, his videos to me seem like they're very well researched. He gives lots of sources. You, you look in the show notes for his YouTube videos, or the the video notes, whatever you call them, in his YouTube channel. You, you know, on this, there's just lots and lots of sources. And he's trying to set the record straight, and I think he does a good job. So I'll link to a couple of videos that he does about Japan and about revising the way we look at history and all that. But he also does, in a, just a one-off sentence, he sort of suggests that the, the idea that an invasion of Japan would have cost uh, hundreds of thousands of American lives, he, says, he does suggest that that's a myth. I, I asked, I sent him a note through commenting on it to say, can you clarify that? Because 
boy, it seemed you know the the American military really thought it was going to be uh, very costly. The highest estimates were that we would lose a million men, and the Japanese people might have been even more because they were going on this idea of the, that they called it the uh, the the glorious death of a hundred million. Uh, uh, yeah, the glorious death of 100 million, and that's what they called it. And they were and the uh, Japanese government and military was calling upon the citizens of Japan to to die defending the country. It would be better to be wiped out as a nation than to surrender. Uh, and there was an also the hope that if they made it so difficult for the Allies and the Americans, especially uh, coming onto an invasion of Japan, that that we would that we'd be more willing to do an armistice with them, and it wouldn't be a complete un unconditional surrender kind of thing. There is talk about you know the, the Russia declaring war on Japan. Uh, well, I shouldn't say Russia. Soviet Union declaring war on Japan and uh, invading Manchuria to get the Japanese out of there. Uh, that that helped, but really, it was the bomb. And. That was the thing that the Facebook people were just, they just can't forgive America for starting World War II. And actually, they ended it, you know, in the Pacific. That's what we did. We, used, we, had, we had made three bombs. One of them we tested in New Mexico to make sure they work, and the other two we dropped on Japan. We warned the Japanese. We said we dropped leaflets for I don't know how long before dropping the bomb on Hiroshima, saying we are going to be bombing, you know, these cities are going to be bombed and you should get out and they probably didn't pay much attention and then they came over and Hiroshima was one of the cities and dropped the big old bomb uh, on that leveling the city one bomb doing it doing and and he makes the the guy doing the knowing better he shows you pictures of Tokyo having been bombed for 60 days or something like that uh, looking you know in, in indistinguishable from Hiroshima with just one bomb, and then they did leaflet, the Americans did the leaflet program again, saying Nagasaki's next. You know, we, well they didn't say Nagasaki's next. They said we have this weapon, and you know if you know, look at what happened to Hiroshima, we have this weapon, and still they didn't come to the table, and still they were willing to, to fight. So the next bomb was dropped, and. When they were this, the Facebook people were saying this was, uh, you know, a terrible aggression by the Americans, and we're evil and we're monsters. And I said, well, you know, I had to comment, and I said, well, I asked the Chinese about Nanking. Well, the main person commenting understood what I was getting at, and said, you know, and fired back at me that, you know, yes, the Japanese were monsters too, but the bigger monsters were us because we dropped two atomic bombs and we firebombed Tokyo for 65 days and you know and, and all that and I just I just sighed <laughs> I said I, I said yep that's war that's that's war it's or it's horrible it's awful it's terrible it's war and the way war goes in World War two you take the war to the civilians too not just to the military you take it to the civilians you you destroy their will to fight and that's 
that's what had to be done. Now, were they right that an invasion would have taken all those lives? Well, I don't know, but that's what they thought. In fact, I read on Wikipedia that this General Marshall, who was going to be one of the guys in charge of the the invasion of Japan, was he was thinking that uh, we would that the Americans would use the atomic bomb as helping out in the invasion. <laughs> Now we didn't. We after we dropped the second one, we said we've got more of these. We didn't, but it, and it would have taken time to get them. So I don't know. That leads me to my next question: Am I a troll? <laughs> because the guy got upset with me, and I, and and my my reactions were, uh, my comments were essentially uh, were not many. Uh, first was. Ask the Chinese about Nanking, and then he fired back at me, and then I, and then he threw out that thing about the two nuclear bomb, or atomic bombs and the and the uh, uh, fire bombing Tokyo, and I said, "Yep, that's war." And then he fires back at me again. You can't just take war, the monstrous behavior, blah 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 blah. And I said, "Sigh." That's it. That, that was it. Ask the Chinese about Nanking. Yep, that's war, and sigh. Those were my reactions. He finally said, <laughs> uh, he said, uh, he said, Jim Fitzsimmons, F off and die. Except he didn't say F. <laughs> you troll mother effer. Except he didn't say effer. <laughs> and then he unfriended and blocked me. I don't know. Did I win? Was I a troll? What did I, I said, I asked my wife, was I a troll? And she said, well, was it a conversation going that you came into? And I said, yeah. Well, maybe. Okay. Well, I'll watch it. History is complicated. I tend to think that, you know, we, that, that it was a horrible option, but it was the best option the Americans had, that they really did believe that there were going to be a hell of a lot of casualties because they had uh, manufactured purple hearts enough purple hearts so that we're still using them today we're still giving out purple hearts today 70 something years later 73 years later the purple hearts made in anticipation of that invasion are still being used are still being given out so you know oh well i do want to do my three cool things uh the first cool thing referring back to the comic book people that died uh, the Gary Friedrich and Marie Severin. This is cool and kind of a little morbid and a little weird, but it's just a coincidence, okay? They both died on the same day. All right. They both died on the same day. But that's that's a that's if that's not enough for you, they both shared the same birthday, not the same year. Marie Severin was uh, 89 when she died, and Friedrich was uh, uh, 75. So she was she had a little bit of a head start, but they both had August twenty first birthday. So they both just celebrated a birthday and then died on the same day. That's kind of cool. A little weird, a little creepy, but it's a coincidence. Okay, it's just a coincidence. Doesn't mean anything. Astrologers, put your charts away. Doesn't mean anything. It's just isn't that interesting? And two, somebody posted this: the uh, the Christopher Nolan Batman movie, uh, 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 The Dark Knight, the one that had Heath Ledger playing the Joker. When the Joker shows up in that movie, he's he, when you first see him, he's wearing this mask of a sad clown. And then when he takes that mask off, he's got the clown makeup on. All right, that is 
I did not know this, and somebody shared it, and I'll share the video link with it uh, with it on the uh, on the on my show notes page. That is an homage to the Batman TV series that's originally aired in 1966, when the Joker played by Cesar Romero. Okay, he shows up on the show. He's doing Pagliacci or something. He's that uh, that uh, whatever kind of clown that it is. Uh, and he's wearing a clown mask, a sad clown mask. It's virtually the same mask that Heath Ledger was wearing in The Dark Knight. And Batman comes in and unmasks this this opera singing clown and it's the Joker in there, Cesar Romero's Joker. And I always thought Cesar Romero's Joker was the creepiest of all the Jokers. Just he just really was, and I really like him as the Joker. I think he does a really fantastic job. Uh, Heath Ledger, not too shabby either. Uh, so that's cool, the cool connection there. And the third thing that's cool, um, uh, I think that the across the aisle praise from uh, from Biden and Obama, uh, and Obama I guess is going to speak at the uh, official funeral proceedings. Uh, for John Mc- Senator John McCain, I think that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, why can't we all have a little bit more of that? A little bit more of that charity for those that disagree with us, instead of being so full of hate. Ah, so full of hate. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. And I got to the end of another show, so let me say this. Uh, Be skeptical, and remember that uh, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. You have been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. And I have one more thing to say to you. Sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell. <laughs>